Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Monday, September 9th. I cannot believe it. The U.S. Open finally over. It seems like nothing was going to be able to top Andrescu and Serena Williams as a final. And then we got today's final. What a thrilling five-set battle between the number two seed, Rafael Nadal, and the number five seed, Daniil Medvedev, we had. We're going, you know, such a good final. We decided we're going to go live for the second time in one day. We're fascinated with this video feature. I happen to think my new haircut and shave look particularly good. If you you listeners don't, we have two other people for you to stare at as we do this breakdown. And it's only right we bring in the whole trio as the U.S. Open coming to a close. Joining me first, as always, and I apologize for doing it in this order, but there'd be no other choice. It's my doubles partner, partner in crime, and a guy who I guess looks like Prince. Harry, Maxwell Labauroth, and Maxi. What a final. I mean, it wasn't just me that said it. I, my, my mom said it. She had two friends who were, who were <laughs> Oh, that counts. The, hold on. She, they had two friends watching the live stream text her and be like, I think that too. He looks exactly like Prince Harry. <laughs> so, you know, you can screw yourself. Also, they must think you are really high right now because if anyone who's watching the watching this live heard you just say this is Monday, September 9th. And so we're, we're on the mini break podcasting, but we're live. So sorry to anyone who's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyone who's watching this right now is like, these guys are messed up Dude, today. You caught me there for a second. <laughs> I was like, what is he, what is he accusing me of? But yeah. yeah, that's true. This is of course being recorded as a mini break will be released for tomorrow morning for those who want to listen to it on your podcast commute to work. But Max may think he looks like Prince Harry. Our other guest, I am confident is identical, the American doppelganger of Jill Simone, former Denison men's tennis superstar, crack rackets, do it all, and the host of Wednesday's mini break podcast, James Foster McDonald. Look at that pretty face on the live show. Welcome. Hello, hello. Good to join you guys. I mean, so, uh, Jamie, you you didn't get the chance to come on earlier, but just in general, U.S. Open, mmm. It, is, it was a tasty one. Mm, sums it up quite well. You're, you're darn right. No, it was a ton of fun, and what a great way to end it tonight. And I, the place we obviously are going to start tonight, the focus of today's conversation, it will actually be a mini, mini break, and maybe that's why we had Jamie on, so I feel the peer pressure to get it done short. But only one match to talk about, our last singles match of the tournament, as I mentioned, Rafael Nadal, a 7-5-6-3-5-7-4-6-6-4 winner over Daniil Medvedev. He captures the 19th Grand Slam singles title of his career, which crazy in retrospect. It's also his fourth U.S. Open title of the 2010s decade. That's more than Roger Federer, who has zero this decade. If I told you that in 2009, you'd have laughed. Uh, you look at the other things. He, he joins McEnroe, Sampras, Connors, and Federer as the only player to win four or more U.S. Opens. I mean, let's start there. 
the level of play, Max, tonight from both of these players, it was the quality you expect. It, you know, we talk about best of three versus best of five. If you're ever going to make a case for best of five, you send this video to the jury. Yeah, I mean, BG was all over Twitter <laughs> ready to say any of you who have any disagreements with, you know, the best of five format, uh, come at me because this is the perfect example of why we have to have a best of five set match. And uh, it, it was truly spectacular. I mean, even Medvedev said that in that third set, he was ready. He was thinking about his, you know, uh, speech for, for getting second place, you know, with with 20. He's like, this match is 20 minutes left. I was already thinking about my speech, but uh, I, I had to fight it off and, you know, go point by point. And uh, it obviously worked out for him as, as he got to that fifth set. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to get too far into my take before before I hear a little from my man, Jamie, who I don't get to see enough of you, man. We got we to gotta do this more often. This is great. But uh <laughs> I feel like the live video function, sorry, listeners, for this tangent, is just so we can all see each other more often. Then, yeah, I mean, Fair. like your your voice is sexy, but damn, <laughs> it's, it's a whole it's a whole other level. Yeah, um, yeah, for you. Know, to, I was gonna say to get back on topic, Max. Just <laughs> before we get into the stats, because I do want to do that deep dive. But Jamie, the level of expectation we talked about it in our preview show. You know, Daniil Medvedev, Rafa Nadal without question you look at what they accomplished the two best players on a hard court since Wimbledon on the ATP tour arguably two of the four you know for sure in the top four of players in terms of level from start to finish of the 2019 season in general thus far expectation wise I'm sure they're high for you but this level or the level of this match I feel like it met all expectations right yeah, for sure. This was not a letdown at all. I was a little worried um, going with those first two sets. I was like, are we really just going to get an Adal straight set win here? Is it going to happen? And believe me, I'm very, very glad that didn't happen. So not a letdown at all. And great to see the fight from Daniil Medvedev. And, you know, Nadal wins it. Honestly, I would have been happy either way. Great to see Nadal getting that 19th title. But um, regardless, I don't think anyone can debate the fact that it was a great match. Well, look, I... I'm personally not a huge fan that Nadal got his 19th, and it, it is it is a little upsetting to me. And a super interesting fact: uh, Medvedev is the first person born in the 90s to get two sets in a Grand Slam final, which is absurd considering he's a, a late 90s. There, there is no one from the early 90s that has gotten two sets in a Grand Slam final. Uh, and so, Gretchen, since you've been asking all the questions, I'm just curious. You know, what is it just the fact that we've had the dominance of the big three? And, and also, what did you think about today? An unbelievable match. Well, and I apologize. I'm, I'm lost my voice <coughs> between just I was screaming at the TV. Faking and that it. Fourth set. No, it was unbelievable. Um, This idea that last night we had, you don't want to say a changing of the guard because that's placing too much pressure on Andrescu, but we had one of those generational moments where like when Federer beat Sampras at Wimbledon, right, in 2000. It's a clip we've all seen so many times. You know if Bianca Andreescu continues to have success, her win over Serena last night, that's going to be a clip always turned to it. Is this real? We're going to see that 30, you know, 35 to 3,500 times over the next year. So to top that from a final perspective, that was the expectations. It's can this meet that? Because we have those same parameters, right? We have a next-gen guy who maybe not – quite to the degree of Andrescu, but certainly the most successful next-gen player since Wimbledon. And, and, you know, 23 and under our definition of next-gen. And so he had a moment. He had an opportunity to to 
establish himself, to have one of those breakthrough moments. And, you know, let's get into the tennis now because you start out set one. And even before we get into Nadal winning the set, we said in our preview, Daniil Medvedev has to get out to a quick start. And Rothman, he broke Rafa right away. He did. And, you know, it's interesting. I, the the game that I was talking about him playing in the previous match with Dimitrov, just the kind of, kind of the guiding the backhand cross court, putting it down the line, not really, he, he really didn't do anything special in the first, I want to say the first set as a whole. He, he really let... Rafa make the mistakes, uh, and you know it worked for you know at, for sure the first come out really slow. He was shanking forehands, uh, and and then Rafa started to you know pick it up. He got in his groove a little bit, and I think that's when Medvedev said, "Okay, you know what this uh, this whole Diego Schwartzman type game isn't going to work. It, it didn't work against it all last round. It's not going to work this round." And so you saw him really change up his game style in that second set, which you know, allowed him to come back a little bit, but Nadal was still just on it. He, he was in the zone. You, you can't really get him out of it once he's clicked. So uh, he did start off strong, but he he didn't change his game style up quick enough in that first, you know, pretty, pretty much two sets. So it's interesting that you say that because I, you know, again, I talked to Jamie a little bit before we went live and Jamie said it perfectly then. So I want to let him give his take. You slightly disagree with that, right? Yeah, so it's a little bit different. I think, at least at the beginning of the match, Medvedev looked great, mainly because Nadal looked so poor at the moment. You're right, he was completely mistiming forehands. I'm pretty sure I saw a couple. He just horribly mistimed and landed in front of the service line. Didn't even make clean contacts. I was like, what is this guy doing, right? Uh, we knew that was not going to stay. We knew that was just the beginning of the match, sort of hitch thing, and he was going to get on his horse and be good, right? So the weird thing to me, though, is commentators kept saying, no, 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 Medvedev needs to first strike tennis he needs to be the aggressor every single point and I don't know I was just kind of shaking my head because I don't think that that's necessarily the right game plan and I don't think that was what Medvedev needed to do and I don't think that's what got him back into this match right I think he needs to be his game style needed to be a little bit more consistent so showing that he can go toe-to-toe in longer rallies and then once he gets the chance pulling the trigger because Medvedev's the kind of player that when he's in a consistent rally that's how tolerance and that's how he gets his confidence to be able to rip the big ball right it's not just second ball of the rally I'm going to crush one he can do that we've seen him doing that just because he's so talented you know when he was stressed out and when he was cramping and injured against Vavrinka, for example he was able to pull that out because he was on fire and he is that talented but really when he's at his best he is pushing people around the court, you know, a lot of times with strokes and stuff that doesn't look that perfect, but he's not exerting a ton of energy. And then when he gets his chance, he pounces on it. And I think that he needed to do a little bit more of that as opposed to just ripping big balls right from the go. And, and is that not what he did, though? I, I do feel like that's I mean, even the commentators were saying that Nadal looked like the one that wasn't able to hang in these long rallies. Nadal was the one that was trying to take initiative and, you know, put balls down the line and, and really be the aggressor. And that's pretty crazy. to. But isn't that also just a typical Rafa Nadal performance, right? That's him. He is always going to try and dictate. And I'm not saying you're not saying that, but that Rothman. But it, to me, the way he was attacking Medvedev, it wasn't anything unusual from the way Rafa typically attacks his usual opponent. No, but but I do think that there are very few players that can stick in the rally long enough with Nadal to sure. to make Nadal say, okay, it's time. Like I just I can't stay in this rally for another forty balls. Like I need to find my find my shot and be aggressive with it. 
so that leads me to the first of the match statistics I want to bring up. Uh, one of our favorite statistics always from, you know, Great Shot Podcast earliest days through the mini break. And one of the reasons we enjoy the U.S. Open website so much, they offer distance covered, distance covered per point. You talked about Nadal going for it at the end of the 40 shot rally. It really did feel like every point at least 20 balls, right? And neither of these guys were going to go for their ball unless they knew they had cracked a huge opening for themselves on the court because both of them are too quick. They cover too much ground. They're too dangerous if you give them a clean look at a pass. Total distance covered over the five sets in this match. Daniil Medvedev, 20,553.5 feet, the highest number I have seen all tournament. He's at 60.3 feet uh, distance, uh, feet per point. Rafa, 21,893 feet. So again, around four miles of sprints for these guys. Rafa's at 64.2 feet per point. What that tells me is, A, every time Rafa runs around a forehand, he's adding an extra foot to himself. But B, this was the most physical match on the men's side I saw the entire tournament Daniil Medvedev knew I'm the 23 year old I'm the you know playing the 33 year old guy whose knees wear out on a hard court they just do that's Rafa at this point the only way you know it's so hard to have the discipline to beat him it's so hard to hit him off the court you really have to chart your route and beat disciplined about it you know Nadal or Federer has enough skill to hit Nadal off the court he's maybe him and Del Potro the only one Djokovic, the only guy we've seen last, uh, as you know, outlast Nadal. And that's what Medvedev tried to do. And my question to you guys, I thought it was interesting because Rothman, we were talking on the phone during the match with your parents, your dad adamantly upset that Medvedev kept throwing in drop shots early on, right? That was something that was his thing. You said Rafa would go down the line. Medvedev through the first three and a half sets when he was done with the point he'd try a drop shot to bail himself out and I guess I want to go to you first Jamie because you made this point about the physicality even though a lot not a lot but a a healthy sum of those drop shots didn't work to me it felt like that was Medvedev's way of establishing look I'm going to keep wearing you down and it's little crack by little crack by little crack and even when he lost that point it was making Nadal you know go from six feet behind the baseline to the net it was just about trying to slowly wear him out that was the way he wanted to attack yeah and so I liked when Medvedev did it that way you know I I hate when it's used I feel like Djokovic is probably the worst top tier drop shot exactly and he just doesn't use it it's it's the bailout it's it's the most classic bailout drop shot there is now when Medvedev's using it he's trying to add variety into that because look what Dahl wants a lot of times one of two things he wants somebody to be scared of how good he is on defense and overhit or two when when they are in a rally just giving him the same ball over and over and over because he'll wail on it he'll put a ton of spin on it and he's good he can do that for hours and so I think Medvedev did a great job of throwing that variety in there. You mentioned the drop shots. I think that's one example of that. Sure, they didn't always work, but they kept Rafa on his toes, right? He knows he's going to have to move laterally and north-south, and he, he has no idea what's coming, right? Medvedev can throw so many different things at him, and I think that's one thing he really did a great job of, especially in that fourth set. I mean, we talk about the third set. He really did just steal it at the end. We saw him do that so many times throughout the tournament. Wawrinka, exactly. Lopez, Dimitrov first set. Yeah, exactly right. He did it so many times throughout this U.S. Open, and so he did it again. And one thing I think that helps him be able to do this is just at any point, your opponent, if you're playing Daniil Medvedev, you don't know what's coming. A hundred percent. I think you make such a good point there. The, the I love that the I, north-south. It's also like northwest, southeast. You're going every which direction. You're flailing. Give me all the cardinal directions, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 
But the, the thing that I think is so honestly impressive with Nevedev and the drop shot is that he's willing to do it against Nadal that often. So many people are scared to do it because he's so quick. Nadal gets to almost every single one of them. And and I'm curious what the statistic is on how successful his drop shots were today. I want to say he's at least 50%. I don't think it was that much worse than that. And if you're getting at least 50% on drop shots against Nadal, that's something. You're, You're keeping him on his toes. And I think that's the most important part is that Nadal isn't expecting every single time that you're in a ground stroke rally that he... He can just sit back there and, and wait until he gets his ball. So I think that's hugely important. The thing that I wish I saw more of from Medvedev that I thought was successful and could have continued to help him throughout this match was his slice. I, I felt like given the fact that he was hitting drop shots and, you know, Nadal was starting to expect it. We saw a lot of forehand slices, Rothman. No, well, but those are those are different. Those are the, you're saying, the, oh, you're saying aggressive slice. You're yeah, saying like aggressive. an approach. I see, I see, I see. Or, or not even necessarily an approach slice. He was hitting some low slices to the to the backhand where Nadal was kind of popping them up, and Medvedev was able to run around the forehand, run around the backhand, hit his forehand inside out, and start to dictate the point. It really helped change the pace. And I think also considering the fact that he was hitting so many drop shots, it might have been able to disguise a few extra if he was throwing in the slice a little more. I thought it was really effective. Uh, see, my problem is, and we talked about this again in the preview, you can't give Nadal junk, right? If you give him junk, that's when he runs around the forehand, and now you're going corner to corner to corner to corner, and you're in his trap. Now, I mean, you I, have to be smart about it. You have to hit it in the right spots at the right times, But and he did do that. I think that's what I'm, That's what my, my point was. When he did it right, it worked really well for him. Yeah, that's fair, and I can't speak to the drop shot success. I can tell you on the day— we talked about Daniil Medvedev is going to have to be aggressive. He's going to have to throw in some serve and volley because Nadal's six feet behind the baseline. He did that. He's going to have to pick balls to move in behind because, again, Nadal's so far behind the baseline. You just have to take the space. And was he hesitant at times? Absolutely. The overhead he missed to get broken, I think, for 5-2 uh, was when he's backpedaling. And Jamie and I had this debate earlier. Jamie, he said, you know, adamant ball, should have let the ball drop. And it felt like that was, the you know, one of like 10 times we saw Medvedev move forward and then get lobbed by Nadal or just be shaky with his first volley. So you would have liked to see him have more success. But still, for Daniil Medvedev to go down two sets to love and still produce a winner to unforced error ratio of 75 to 57. He goes 50 of 74 on net points one. I'm sure that isn't every time he went to the net. 51, uh, sorry, 117 of 182, so 64% on the first serves. Wins 65% of those points, 54% of his second serve points. Yes, he gets broken six times and allows 21 break points for Nadal, but he also fights off 15 of those break points. He himself also creates 15 break point chances, converts five of them. I mean, Daniil Medvedev's level, and we'll talk about Nadal after this, but just to kind of cap off the Medvedev portion, because as the next gen guy, the three of us, you know, he's, I think, in between the ages of all three of us. He's February 96, right? That's you, Rothman. And so like, yeah, month apart. That's what I'm saying. And so it really is crazy. I guess we'll start with Rothman, and then I want to hear what you have to say, Jamie. This level from Daniil Medvedev that he's shown since Wimbledon, but really all year long, we've seen little you know, bits and pieces from a lot of next-gen guys. We've seen them have good weeks. We've even seen them have multiple good weeks. But this run from Medvedev feels like the most real, the most um, the most likely to sustain success of any next-gen player. Do you think it's just us falling in love with him on the hard courts? Or do you think this guy's you know, the real deal? He's here to stay at this point. 
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Yeah, I mean, four straight finals, granted. Yes, it is on the hardcore, and I do think that's his best surface. But it, it's unbelievable. No, no other guy has produced results like this. And yeah, you know, I guess you could look at there's there's been some runs from Chorich where he's made a couple quarterfinals in a row. There's been I mean Zverev, big Zverev, yeah, in the room. Right. I mean, it, hard to even think about him right now with how bad he's been <laughs> the last you know few months, really. Um, yeah, you could say that FAA's run this year has been pretty good, and, and obviously he's super young and hasn't had the results like this. But I mean, this is just the clear, outstanding results for for the next gen guys, and and I think that we're gonna see more of this from Medvedev next year. He's shown that he's he's just so smart. He's so smart on court. That's the thing that I think is the most impressive about him. And they talked a lot about this uh, in in the booth today. How. He thinks about every single point, every game. He changes up his game style, and he's so mentally tough. Every time that there was a breakpoint opportunity, he came in there, changed it up. He served and volleyed. We don't see that often from Medvedev. I mean, he just— Served and volleyed successfully. Successfully. Yeah. Uh, did it on the big points, and it, it takes some you know some some huevos, as, as you like to say, Greskin. Um, so, you know, I, I think we're going to see a lot more of that kind of success from him next year. Off the court as well. Stellar post-match interview. He talked Great. about yeah. how his relationship with the crowd really did propel. I Def- mean, he's, he's going to be a New York favorite for the next 15 years. He definitely so, won the uh, the affection of the fans back after his quarterfinal match. He played it perfectly. He was yeah, funny. Great. He was charming. He, you know, I've, considering English is not his native language, excellent, you know, very fluent speaker. Again, Jamie, same question to you. It just, it feels real. Yeah, no, no, no part of this feels like a fluke, right? I think he proved that throughout the two weeks. And of course, just the outrageous season, especially on the hard courts that he's had. And the thing that's going to be so dangerous to the rest of the field now is this is now a Medvedev who I won't say it's done, but he is very close to completely figuring out his game. And that doesn't mean it won't adapt further. He is how he can win matches and how he can dig out sets when other people don't expect him to, right? And I mean, so he's understanding that he can go toe-to-toe with Nadal just by staying in rallies sometimes. He knows that he can do that. You know, what kind of confidence does that bring? I mean, that is absolutely huge. Granted, it's not the same type of grinding like Nadal does. And yeah, he's going to throw in some different shots. And of course, there are going to be times where he's going to need to be aggressive. And it's all match by match when you get down to that, that granular of a level. But ultimately, he's understanding what he can do with his game. He knows that on big points, he can pull off a serve and volley with all the pressure in the world. World, I mean, he knows that he can do all this stuff, and he knows that he can execute on the biggest stage. I mean, he almost completed a massive comeback here. The fact that he even got back to a fifth set, cl- I mean, completely climbed out of a two-break hole in that fifth set as well. I mean, just the confidence has got to be off the charts coming out of this. So I think he's here to stay for sure. Yeah, so as the, uh, as the leader, of the Alex Zverev club, Alex. Um, <laughs> Leader of a you, lot of clubs. Let's be clear. Sure. Um, same same question as we've got going for Medvedev. You know what you think about his continued success, but do you think he's going to have more success than Zverev moving forward? You had to ask this today. Um, look, sorry. It, 
no, it's a fair question. The the big takeaway from this is Daniil Medvedev checks off every box you want from a tennis player. Can he fitness wise? Does he have it check? Height wise, you know, does he have it check? So that means the serve comes naturally. Check. Does he make returns? Check. Does he make the extra ball? Always. Check. This is a guy who can hurt you in so many different ways. Does he have weapons? Yes. With the serve, with the forehand, with the backhand, when he can go flat on all of those strokes. Yes. Just the tools he has and the mental fortitude. In multiple matches this week, he stole sets where he was not the better player throughout the majority of the set. That's what a winner does. How many times have we seen Jill's... uh, Jill Simone. Sorry, Jamie, you inspired me. <laughs> How many times have we seen, I can't believe I said that, Ro, uh, Roger Federer, Rafa Nadal, Novak Djokovic, Andy Murray, this, you know, Stan Wawrinka's of the world, guys who have major championships win matches they don't, you know, they're not where they're not the better player. And the answer is in every tournament they've won, they had a set like that. And to do that is something Alex Virev has never done at a major. All the quarterfinals he made, he was in control of those matches throughout the match. In the Diego Schwartzman match, a match where you could have argued he stole a set where he wasn't the better player. Well, he didn't end up winning that match. And so we haven't seen that from him yet. We've seen him do it in a two out of three set format. And for a fan like me who values tennis week in, week out, I'm not just watching at the majors. That means something. To you guys, that means something. But it's undeniable to say that at this point, Daniil Medvedev, he is the leader in the next-gen clubhouse because none of them have had a run that's from you know the end of Wimbledon to now that's been as dominant as this. 100%. Can, and, before we move on to Nadal, can we just – well. <laughs> no, it's 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 more of an adult no. thing. I'll, well, I'll can I, can I, okay, so I have one last question, Medvedev-wise. You look at him live rankings now. I believe he's number four, career high for him. You look at him in the race uh, for the year-end title. I think he's number four as well. He is qualified now, so he will be in the ATP Tour Finals. This is a guy who has played so many matches. I think he's now 46. Or I think he's now 50 and 17 on the year, a league leader in league leader, ATP leader in wins, um, a guy who has proven it, right? It's all hard courts, and he's got nothing left to prove on a hard court. Given this run, given how physically demanding these past six weeks have been for him, Jamie first, do you think we'll see him at all before the World Tour Finals? Do you think he plays the Asian swing? Or And if so, would you recommend that or not? Honestly, I don't know. It's hard for me to know at this moment whether his body. I mean, look, we he all shouldn't saw, walk for we, two days. Exactly. So like, we, I'm not, I'm not. we all saw the amount of tape that that guy had on his body. I mean, we're we're talking about pounds at this point, Rothman right? ankle style. Yeah, and and so really, like, it's hard for me to answer that. If he's fine physically, I mean, understandably, you know, maybe there is a mental break that he wants to take, but. At the same time, too, if he's feeling confident, there's no reason not to, at least by some of it. I'm not sure, you know, I'm not saying he needs to go and just completely drain himself in those because, yeah, you want to be fresh for the finals, of course. But there's no reason you can't play a couple of those in there, especially on a hard court. Um, you know, why not? With his game, with his confidence, why not? Somewhat, someone in tennis Twitter said that he should sleep until the, uh, the ATP finals, which <laughs> I totally I totally agree. He could go into hibernation. He, he totally did and totally. just... Yeah. He didn't get a labor cup offer. We're not going to see him there. That feels like he doesn't that's wear ridiculous. Well, <laughs> yeah, no, because they don't know where to place Russia. They're like, are they Europe? Are they world? Let's just not invite any of them. I mean, oh, God, team let's... world could probably use them. Let's be real here. Yeah, that's it's true. Easy. Let's. But let's let's avoid the the political. I was you know, about to make a great here. political joke. Yeah, but I'm going to let it slide. I'm going yeah. to keep no. going. 
look, we look FAA denied his uh, his enter offer to Labor Cup, which is yeah, stupid. But t- so. if he if Medvedev, if Medvedev was eligible for Team World, that is so foolish by McEnroe. Oh FAA not wanting to get smoked as a part of Team World, I can understand. Yeah, that's fair. Mm. Um, but back to the question of the Asian swing. I mean, look, Shanghai is in the first week of October. So he's got three weeks until then. He doesn't need to play Beijing or Tokyo. I know they're ATP 500s, and I don't know if he has points to defend in either of them. He does. He had a great run at the end of last year. But he's already clinched World Tour finals. He's clinched World Tour, and that'd be a a great way to get some rest for next year, too, because then he's going to have to defend those points next year. He's got enough points from this U.S. Open. I don't think he needs to worry about it. Take off the next three weeks. Go play Shanghai, play Paris, and then play the, the ATP tour and, and be done with your year. Use that 1.9 million. Go on a delayed honeymoon with the Oh, misses, my God. Please. Yes. That's what, that's yes. what you use a paycheck like that for. Um, No, I mean, uh, yes. I, I, if I'm him, who more likely to win the Paris Masters, him or Berrettini? <laughs> well, we talked about this. Berrettini is the better sock. Sock won Paris. Berrettini's winning Paris. Also, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Just adults of Paris are always wild. Whoever just wins it. It's like, oh, Hatchinov won it. Sock wins it. And Berrettini, so, hey, why Berrettini, not? Berrettini's yeah, yeah, going to win it. Come on up, shout stud. Out, yeah. By the way, shout out to listener Abe Huku. Medvedev last year won Tokyo. So he does have points to defend. Got a little text from him. Appreciate that. And listeners, if you have any Abe. thoughts, we are going to try and work that in more <laughs> and more. Yeah, Abe, a former doubles partner of mine, so we're cheating hey, a little Abe. bit. But it still counts. Um, <laughs> uh so now let's move on. It's amazing we're this far in and we haven't said a word about our champion, Rafa Nadal, 19th major title. Maybe his biggest physical battle to date, given that he's 33 years old and moving over 21,000 feet of sprints in a match. It felt like at 5-4 when he was serving for it, I think he won the 30-15 point, And then he kind of stayed crouched for a little bit. And it, it almost looked like he was cramping. And, you know, there's so many opportunities for Medvedev to come back in this match. He provide puts so much pressure on his opponent. And yet for Rafa, he only makes 58% of his first serves. First serve really, it felt like, was deserting him in, uh, in a couple of those sets. But still, you know... Uh, for the match, not bad, uh, especially in that first set, but 58% for Rafa there, wins 77% of those first serve points, 52% on the second serve. We talked about how impressive it was. He creates 21 break points for himself, converts six times, 62 winners against 46 unforced errors, an astounding 51 of 66 at the net. I talked about his overhead looking shaky. That didn't even matter because Jamie just... The way Rafa physically him imposes himself in a match is still unlike anything I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, and it's what we've come to know and expect, right? I think that's part of the reason why we can spend just, I don't know, a lopsided amount, even though Nadal wins this match, a lopsided amount of our discussion can be around Daniil Medvedev and his run because we know what's coming from Nadal, and this is what we know, right? I mean, a little bit shaky in the beginning, honestly pretty bad um not horribly worrisome because he got you know back to normal rafa pretty quick um the physicality it's what we expect right he knows that that is the biggest part of his game and of course as he's getting older look he's been really really candid and says hey you know i can't just i can't just be behind the baseline and only grind right he has to be aggressive and has to do a lot more with his serve for example he knows that he's got to shorten some points but look he didn't look like he needed to shorten too many points tonight he looked really really good from a physical standpoint 
Rothman, you love him from his Spanish sex appeal aspect, the sleevelessness, everything's rocking. He's a little balder, but still physically for him to put together this performance. You know, what are your what were your thoughts on watching Rafa? I mean, I, I really did think that Medvedev was going to outlast him there for for a good while. I mean, if it, Medvedev breaks for two zero in the fifth set, it's a completely different match. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, if he doesn't give up that second break, too. Yeah, it's just that forehand, 40 love, two all 40 love. Mm. He had the easiest forehand. He sprayed it long. It's the little things like that that come back to bite you. How many times do we say it? And I, I saw it, too. I was like, I saw it in Nadal's eyes. I was like, oh, that's yeah. A that was the craziness, the fierceness in Nadal's eyes in that fifth set. He entered a zone that we've seen, you know, so that's that's why he's a great champion. Roth, and I'm sorry we cut you off. No, it's OK. I mean, I, I it gets you fired up. You're like, oh, it's it's truly a, it's a it's a catchy kind of feeling from him. But uh, I don't know. It, there were so many opportunities in this match for for match for both of them. I feel like I saw a lot of weird, unforced errors from Nadal, not just in that first set, but I mean, missed volleys here and there that were yeah. interesting. The overhead. The overhead was interesting. I mean, you said overhead there, like Djokovic. Yeah. <laughs> what we're saying here. There was some weird stuff, but I, I think that, I mean, I, I don't know if we, I'm sure we were going to get to this, but the time violations, I oh. mean, first of all, we called, we called that they, there would the be yes some, and I, hit. the yes hit three times. Um, <laughs> but many times. crazy for when it happened twice on break point. Loses his first serve to a time violation. Wait, can I we think- say though? In the, f- I told you it was going to happen in the first set. The umpire was going to say, "Rafa, we're not came- doing this today." And then but he then it came credit up. to him. He got booed post match, which I was know. something I was going to talk about. And you know, we we'll will. talk about Rafa's post match in a second. Um, but it, I think he just like stickler to the. I like it. I'm like fine, that's fine. And it almost totally. felt like Rafa, Rafa at certain points would just blow the first serve so that he could take as long as he wanted before the second. Yeah, he's like, I gotta catch my breath. I'm, I'm old out here. I need, I need <laughs> my time. But Medvedev was talking to the the chair umpire as well and saying he's not ready for me on my serve. I, it got chirpy. It, it got did, chirpy. It did. There, there was a little bit going on there. And you know, kudos to them for having really good sportsmanship at the end of the match. But I'm with Medvedev. I mean, Nadal. I mean, it's classic Nadal to take his sweet ass time. Excuse my language, and just. Be back there. I know it's part of his whole mind game thing. But nose, I think ear, nose, ear, butt, yeah. cross, nose, ear. Right, but it's just ridiculous. You're, you've got to be ready for the server. I don't care how tired you are. That's part of the game. Um, so clearly, I mean, we were talking about this yet in this morning in the preview that Nadal is going to have to change his game moving forward. He's going to have to be more aggressive. I don't know how many more five-set matches like this. He's especially when he's playing a next-genner. Counterpoint. 19 slams. I feel like he's like, eh, I'm good. <laughs> like, this is pretty sweet. I feel like if he does this again, he's literally going to, his body is going to break. So this <sighs> is the question, right, Jamie? It's now Nadal puts together another two slam season. And from our guy at Luca Beck, who's always so good with these stats, uh, you know, he joins uh, Borg, Djokovic, Sampras, and Federer as the only guys who have won four titles at at least two of the slams. Federer, the only guy who's done it at three of the slams. He has at least two slam titles in a single year for the fifth time in his career, tying Novak Djokovic, and now both of them one season behind Roger Federer. The big question that, you know, the easy talking point, Federer's at 20, Nadal's at 19, Djokovic is at 16. Jamie, is there anything you saw today that would make you think, 
you know, maybe or maybe not, you know, just after this major 20, that that pursuit for Rafa, what are your thoughts on it? Jamie, super quick, one other stat. Uh, Nadal is actually now the only man over 30 to have four grand, four grand slams after the age of 30. So Federer hasn't done that, which is crazy. But, I feel like I just read a book with all the all everything <laughs> I just got thrown at me there. No, uh, and I analyze mean, it all now. Oh, here we go. I mean, look, <laughs> impressive. Obviously, uh, I think in terms of pursuit of twenty, I don't know why that wouldn't be attainable, um, especially at the French, right? Like, what have we seen to say that he can't do that again? Well, you know, I mean, look on a hard court. Of course, we know the the deal with his knees. This year, the draw broke really well for him, right? He had a great draw and he capitalized on it. I mean, we talked about the fact that it would be a it would be a huge blow for him if he didn't get this, but he did. He gets this title and he's now Federer. I think I mean, I don't know. I think you can make a very realistic case that he'll pass Federer. Um, look, he's only one behind him. And with I don't know, I think he's got an easier path at something like a Roland Garros than Federer has anywhere. I think in terms of betting or literally any way you look at it, that's more of a guarantee. That's more that's a higher chance that he can win that one event as opposed to Federer winning any of them in particular. I mean, we saw that with someone like Djokovic who can perform this well at Wimbledon, right? He completely stole that from him. So there's no reason to me that I don't uh, that would say he can't reach 20 or, you know, pass it. Yeah. Max? I mean, <laughs> It just it just makes me tell me I'm wrong. Now. No, it's why I'm it's why I'm sighing over here. Like it just makes me pissed now that Fed didn't secure that Wimbledon. Like, yeah. dude, you could have been at 21. You could have set Joker back to 15. Uh, I mean, Medvedev, you could have saved us all the hassle of winning of him being closer if you had just won this. Um, wow, that was super immature, Alex. Uh, <laughs> it's late. It actually it's late. is Monday, September 9th. Yeah, I was about to say. No, was it is no Monday. Monday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, dude, he easily, he's 34. He could win three more Frenches until he's 37, just like Fed. I mean, no doubt. Um, so it, then yeah. for the last time at the U.S. Open, let's travel to my fake casino. I'm going to set the odds for you guys one more time. You tell me if this sounds right. For the men's Grand Slam title right now, we'll put Rafael Nadal minus 250 to end up in the lead. Novak Djokovic even Roger Federer plus five hundred. Which guy are you betting on? Djokovic. Djokovic. I hate to say it. Yeah, what, say like, it, but it's it, it's by far the most likely at this point. I mean, look, look at this year alone and last year. Like, he's coming out of times where he doesn't even look like he's that good, and then magically he shows up, and it looks like sometimes he just waltzes through a hardcore major, right? Like, look, I guess I could say, luckily, with my own bias, it didn't happen at this U.S. Open. Um, Nadal ends up getting it. But, I mean, I feel like it was just yesterday where Djokovic had 12 slam titles, right? And now he's just like 16 knocking on these guys' doors. Like, there's no reason he's not going to have, like, 25. And everyone's like, okay, what just happened? You know? The other thing, though, Nadal split majors with Djokovic, Djokovic this, year. this year. True. It, Which he is won ridiculous. Two, two this year. I True, mean, but one's the French, right? I mean... <laughs> Given, given those count as a third for him at this point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone after twelve or after ten only counts for a third. Mm -hmm. Um, No, I mean, 
that will be the question I'm sure we will be talking about for the next three years as the big I mean, really do come down. Are you are you also Djokovic? No, this is how I get to be the neutral. I'm pulling a Mike Genender here. No, you don't. No, get I'm to just kidding. You know, I'm going to give you an answer for that question as well. But sure. if you throw Serena in the mix too, I'm curious what you guys think because she's at what 23 right now. So I should probably be the odds favorite, but you think Rafa could catch her Djokovic? Maybe I'm gonna stick it with Djokovic. I mean, sure. Let's say Rafa. He's twenty-three if, though, dude. No, and Serena so, could win another one. So Rafa wins two more French Opens. Let's say that's the, or he wins one more French Open for sure, and one other miscellaneous. But I'm gonna give him two more, which feels a lot because he's one knee injury away from it all being over, right? So he gets to twenty-one. The question then literally is. Do I think Federer is going to win anymore? No, I don't. I really don't. Do I think Fed's Djokovic... got a Wimbledon? Fed so the has is, a Wimbledon. Is is Novak Djokovic good enough at a still so good on a hard court that even if he declines five percent, none of the next gen guys or anyone in the field can catch him on that surface? Well, Daniil Medvedev showing this level now makes me think like a 24, 25 year old Medvedev against a 34, 35 year old Djokovic. It's the same thing we'll see here. Only Djokovic's game predicated that much more on athleticism. He doesn't have the weapons that Rafa does from the ground, but I think he can keep that level of physicality up. So yeah, I would still stick with Djokovic. For for a second, I thought you were saying, can a next gen like Medvedev catch up to Djokovic. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I'm no. saying at, at a per tournament <laughs> level. Not. Yeah, in a single tournament. Yes, yeah, exactly. And so I'll say Djokovic because he's still only four down. And again, this is predicated on Rafa not getting injured, Rafa passing Federer. But I just think Djokovic is the guy. He's too young. He's too good. He won two majors this year. Don't forget that. Yeah, um, look, look at this. If he wins only two majors and Honestly, it kind of feels like, whoa, we only won two majors at some points. It's like, okay, if he only wins two majors and plays what? Even if he only plays to like 37, five more years, it's 10 majors. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's insane. I mean, that's insane. And it is the fact that it seems so attainable is what's scary about that number. I don't know. No, I, I think that's absolutely it. I think that's why it's going to be so fun now to watch this new dynamic. That's why we want next-gen guys adding into the mix because you throw in, let's say, team steals a French from Nadal. Let's say Medvedev steals the Australian Open 2019. You know, Djokovic, if healthy, probably enters the 2019 Australian Open as the Bavada favorite. But, like, I mean, when Medvedev comes out as the second favorite odds-wise, that's not going to shock anyone. Like, that's justified. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how that breaks down. But we have gone way over, considering there's only one match to talk about. And, you know, now that we have some dead time, I do want to save some topics for that dead time. And we will have mini breaks going this week. We're going to talk winners and losers from the U.S. Open, look at the bigger pictures. Again, it's hard to say Novak Djokovic not getting a slam title here, allowing Nadal to get a U.S. Open add to his count. Feels like a lost opportunity for him. So those sort of things, we've got some fun guests lined up as always. So be on the lookout for that. But my last questions to you guys for today's mini break, just your your final take. What's your final take? The 2019 U.S. Open Max Rothman was? Well, I'm going to use this as my chance to just quickly comment on the post-match interviews because the booing of the of the Entertaining. Chair, it, it was, come on, guys. Like, <laughs> that that's ridiculous. Um, Medvedev hilarious saying that the whole thing where he was thinking when he was sitting in the seat watching the Rafa video, like if he yeah, won, what, yeah, what were they, what were they going to show of him? Uh, great question. I don't know what they were going to show of him. They would maybe his, like his city and Cincy titles. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. He lost the uh, final of city. So he doesn't even have that. 
Oh, right. He lost to Kyrios. Sorry. So literally just... losing to Kyrios, they're like, they show the handshake. They're like, dude, you lost. So, oh, you played. So, yeah. They, they'd probably show the middle finger thing just for humor. <laughs> just to, just to kind of. They show him up, beating yeah. Stan Wawrinka 2017 Wimbledon. They're like, that's all we got. Uh, so I thought that was good. Um, Medvedev did interviews in three languages. Great for him. Um the Rafa the- Spanish shout out at the end was awesome. It's great, uh, per usual. Um, he speaks in Spanish, let me tell you. Yeah, right. Spanish he sex appeal is quicker. Real. I think he speaks quicker Spanish than I do English. Like I can get out a hundred words per minute, so can he. Yeah, no, he's he's fast out there. Um, but overall, I think this US Open is what we wanted. We got to see a lot of different players deep in the tournament, a lot of next geners deep in the tournament. Uh, and, and it was super fun. You you really didn't know what was going to happen on any given day. So overall, super happy with how the U.S. Open went this year. James Foster? Yeah, I mean, lived up to the hype, right? And ultimately ended in a battle between a next-gen and a legend of the sport. Like, that's that's what we want. We want these next-gen guys knocking on the door. That's what we want. And Also, some the people, next-gen women, by the way. Andrescu Williams, yeah, same thing. Exactly, exactly. And so this is what we want, right? Whether you call it a, you know, passing of the baton, you know, on the men's side, look, looks like the veterans aren't quite ready to give that up yet it's fun it's fun to see these young guys challenge the guys who have just had such a stranglehold on in this case the atp market for so long now right and so it's really fun to see someone like medvedev completely push nadal to the brink um show a ton of mental fortitude not to just make that a simple straight set match and give the crowd what they wanted a five setter um i I, truthfully it was a ton of fun and i'm glad that that's how it ended you know winner or loser there i could have been I would have been fine either way. Medvedev wins that. That's awesome. That's a completely different storyline. This one, Nadal still, you know, manages to come out on top. But like I said, Medvedev, Medvedev has a ton of confidence. These other next-gen guys are probably looking at this saying like, hey, we can challenge these older guys. I think it just builds for an even more fun 2020. The, the women's final, as I mentioned, set the record for ESPN, most viewed tennis match of all time. I will be fascinated to see, even though the men had to compete with the first football Sunday. And by the way, the split screen of experience of watching my Lions tie the freaking Cardinals, which is a joke. But yeah, no, tough, we don't do football on this pod. We don't do football. We don't do politics. Um, that that's I had that split screen with the tennis, and it was just overwhelming. But it was amazing. Like again, we had Bautista, Goot, Sitsipas, team. Um, I think Kachanov all lost in the same day, and that was six months ago because the just the tournament got better and better as it progressed. And you know, we we appreciate you listeners for sticking with us for pay, if you know for checking out all of our content throughout the time. This U.S. Open has been so fun because it really felt like the listeners were engaged the fans in new york were engaged we were all engaged in this experience as the last slam of the year you know before we wrap have to give a huge shout out to the super producers max fligner and daniel westoff instead of swearing i'll say this hundreds of thousands of dollars. hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah you deserve a piece of that daniel medvedev paycheck uh, westoff because you seriously you and fligner killed it all uh all us open long so huge shout out to you guys if you missed any of the content you're already itching to learn more about last us open be sure to check out our website crackedrackets.com mini breaks from throughout the two weeks i think the only day we missed was labor day monday so if you want to check out any of that action again go remember listen to those things go check that out cracked interviews wise steve johnson mitchell kruger katie volley that's all sitting pretty for you to listen to so again we've got a ton of great content there a great shot podcast all of these things like rate subscribe review please we want to hear from you the listener we've got some mailbag ideas and again content wise 
wide open from here to the end of the season. So if, you know, we'll be talking a bunch of different funky things. If you guys have any thoughts, please feel free to send them our way. Uh, but uh, again, from my wonderful co-hosts, Maxwell LeBauer Rothman and James Foster McDonald, from our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westhoff, and from our entire teams at both the Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Druskin. For the last time from the U.S. Open, Maxwell, Jamie, what do we tell the listeners? That's a break. Beautiful synchronization, boys, and we hope you enjoyed the U.S. Open. Thanks, everyone.